All right, so by now I'm sure you've heard the story of former TDSB principal Richard Bilkstow, who sadly died by suicide. The statement by his lawyer has implied that this was due to bullying that stemmed from an interaction he had in a diversity, equity, and inclusion mandatory training session led by Kojo Institute, uh, a prominent organization that runs many of these sessions with high-profile organizations. This happened two years ago. Uh, A number of incidents then led to a lawsuit filed against the TDSB by Bilk Stowe. And the TDSB has apparently filed a lawsuit against Kojo Institute. But according to media accounts, the board has not followed through with the suit. The Minister of Education, Stephen Lecce, has called for an investigation into this case. Kike Ojo Thompson has said in a statement released on Thursday that she welcomes an investigation. I have been waiting to share my thoughts on this story. Chomping to share my thoughts. First of all, I'm deeply sorry for the family of Richard Biltstow. No one should feel ending their own life is their only choice. We live in a country where we have the freedom to share our thoughts freely, even if they're comments we might not agree with or are hurtful and even racist. It seems from reports in the media, the situation was handled poorly by the board and by the WSIB. But like every other allegation of racism we hear in the media, we need to wait to hear all the facts from all sides. At least that's what we hear when there's an allegation from a black person or a child. But Richard Biltstow is not a martyr. The bullying of Kike Ojo Thompson, the diversity, equity, and inclusion facilitator, is also not the answer. The torrid criticism of education around anti-black racism and diversity, equity, inclusion, calling this instance the woke agenda, makes me sick to my stomach. As I've said on this show before, and I will say it again, there is no woke agenda. There is a desire for those who look like me to be seen as people, period. For those who don't want to understand our reality so that we can be treated as Canadians, not second-class citizens, we are tired of having our years of pain and trauma questioned, diminished, and pushed aside because you haven't experienced it or you don't want to face it or, frankly, you do not understand it. Not that long ago, in fact, just three years ago, the world was in a posture of learning and listening, as we all witnessed the death of a man in cold blood under the knee of another. And there were cries for reform. There were people kneeling and a surge of empathy for a problem of people of color had been dealing with for ages. Companies hired DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion facilitators, and everyone seemed to be leaning in. But now it seems like everyone has led has had enough of the listening and learning, and woke is now a four-letter bad word people like to throw around instead of addressing the hard facts of inequity that still remains. I want you to remember another name, Caleb Schmidt. He was 13 
when on April 30th, 2018, he was found unresponsive on his family farm in Saskatchewan. Caleb died by suicide. Caleb, his parents say, was a fun-loving boy, but he had had enough. Called the N-word several times a day in school, picked on for who he was, a black young boy. He came to this country with his siblings adopted by a loving family looking for a better life. And what he found was racism and hate, and Caleb couldn't take it any longer. Here is part of Caleb's suicide note. It read, I came to Canada hoping things were going to be different. But for the past five years, I've been unhappy. I tried to see the better side of life, but there is no better side. Life isn't worth it to me. This is written by a 13-year-old boy. What did Caleb's school do about the countless accounts of bullying? Nothing. Oh yeah, when Caleb fought back one day, he was arrested and charged with assault. Is there racism in Canada? Yes. Is there also hope for us to turn that around? Yes. Do I love Canada? Am I proud to be a Canadian born and raised in this country? Absolutely 110% yes. But like anything you love, you have to speak truth. Can we also acknowledge that every time a black person hears a white person say there isn't as much racism here in Canada than in the U.S., my heart sinks. I always say it's like one abused woman saying to another, well, at least you have your teeth. Abuse is abuse. Comparison over how racist one country is from another is not going to solve racism. These are the conversations and denials black people live with every single day. Dealing with the denial that we live in pain and agony over how we look is draining. And measuring our pain against how others in another country experience trauma and discrimination is demeaning. And yet when a black person has a claim of racism, we're asked to prove it again and again. And even then, we're made to feel like it isn't enough. I can think of several cases of racism in Toronto schools that have been dismissed or not having, for not having enough facts and deemed not racist by those who have never experienced a day of racism in their lives. Our society has turned an ugly corner where discourse has been lost, objectivity is blurred, and anger is the only language that seems to be heard. The amount of vitriol I have read on Twitter these past couple of weeks against Black people has been disgusting. The call for people in leadership that are trying to move the needle forward to step down is disappointing. And this desire for the good old days is sickening. If we were to put all of our efforts into every case of real injustice and racism, wow, how our country would look so different. People have become so consumed with not wanting to feel uncomfortable or corrected that they're not seeing the pain their fellow country people are facing on a daily basis. Every day, black people and people of color experience depression, trauma, employment loss, and suicide because they are not heard, 
they're misunderstood, and they are bullied. Sadly, Caleb is not the only one. Black parents and parents of color deal with racism in schools every single day. They face questions and concerns from their little ones asking why they're treated differently in their classrooms. Every black parent braces themselves for the day their child comes home saying they've been called the N-word. This is not new, sadly. Bullying because of an allegation of bullying? Remember, nothing has been proven. Two wrongs don't make a right. This is not a story of martyrdom. This is a case that clearly shows that we still have a lot of work to do in this country. So let's roll up our sleeves as Canadians who care for this country and care for each other and do the work of learning. My next guests have advocated for a number of cases of racism in the school system. Carrie Daniel and Charlene Grant are part of the group Parents of Black Children, and they've been watching the case of Richard Biltstow very closely. Welcome, Carrie and Charlene, to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Carrie, let's start with you. I know uh, you both know Kike Ojo Thompson very well and the work that Ojo Institute does. What were your thoughts when you first heard of these allegations? Yeah, I've, I have. I do know Kika very well. I've known Kika for about seven years. Um, I've worked with her within the child welfare sector and I've seen her her uh, work within other sectors like housing, education, you know, healthcare. Um, she's an educator, a sociologist, and a leader in this province when it comes to systemic change and anti-racism and equity work. And, and when you think about the changes, you know, my first thought was really thinking about the changes that we've seen in this province um, around anti-Black racism, around equity, around anti-oppression in the child welfare system. That was Kika. Uh, when we look at who was in the trenches doing the work for 20 years before it was mandatory, before it was popular, that was Kika. And, you know, that's what makes her such a target. Um, you know, my first thought was here is another Black woman who is being used as a scapegoat. This is not about her. This is not about her. This is not about Kojo Institute. Um, this is a, this is an opportunistic um, attempt by, uh, you know, political operatives and, and, and right-wing um, uh, people to tear down anti-racism work in this province. That, that was really what my first thoughts were. How about you, Charlene? What were some of your thoughts when you first heard of these allegations? I, I initially thought, here we go. Because this is none of this is new for us. This is a story. We've seen this script many times. And we, because we suffer through it, we remember it quite well. But usually the um, perpetrators are the ones that forget. So we kind of know where this was going to go. But I also thought about the working environment and the toxicity that's going on at in the, in the school boards. Toronto District mm -hmm. School Board is not immune to it. We know of Black educators. We actually had a meeting with the leaders of Black educators who have been off work because of anti-Black racism and how they've been treated. Like you said, when you started, we don't only advocate for students, Black students. We advocate for Black educators. We, have, we, have, we, have, we advocate for Black people when they're being targeted. And 
We know this wasn't about Kikashi's being used, as Kerry mentioned. We know this about the work itself, and it's about all of us. And for me, it's scary because it means that our children will never have a peaceful education as they should, as their rights are, as their human rights are. There are so many layers to the story. I don't know if you heard a bit of my um, my monologue at eight o'clock, but you know there's so many layers to this story. And as both of you have said, um, this is not new. There are black and brown children who um, are suffering every mm-hmm. single day in our schools. Yeah. Yeah, there are. You know, we sorry. See I'm getting every... emotional because oh. it is because emotional. They don't get the same attention. They don't get the same attention. I think about. I talked about um, just a few minutes ago. I talked about this young boy in Saskatchewan, 13 years old, Caleb Schmidt, who in 2018 took his own life because he couldn't take it any longer. This is reality in our country. And so I, I, when you say that this is nothing new, we know that as black people, um, but it hurts to see how people can be targeted. And so talk to me about why you think this story has become so polarizing. Carrie, you, you can go ahead. I don't think it's, I don't think it's polarizing. I think it's very clear for individuals like us and allies and other people um, and the majority of the public who understand, who even have just a small inkling um, as to what it's what it's like um, to be racialized and to walk in this world. I think it's very clear to them what is happening. You know, we were on a call with uh, Black community members where we had we had a Zoom capacity of 300. We had 300 people on the call and hundreds more, Mm. hundreds more trying to get into that call. And it spanned generations. There were young people. There were elders on the call. Everybody intuitively understood and understands what is happening here. Right. You know, you're 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 getting emotional and and Charlene can speak to Charlene can tell you the stories that we see. But the bottom line is when you ask that question, you know, why are why don't we see the same response when it comes to our black children? We 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 do not. Right. If these if it was white children in in our school systems who were not safe, if if it was white children um, who were, you know, white parents who had to sleep on the floor at night just to make sure that their kids get through the night, right? Because of the anti-Black racism they're experiencing school in, in schools, um, we wouldn't be having this conversation. There wouldn't be this attack on um, critical anti-racism work. This work is critical. We know there are issues with training. We know that training doesn't always work. It doesn't work to shift minds, right? In the way that we need it to, but it is still critical. We still need it to happen and we need it for the humanity of our children. We need it for the life, the lives of our kids. And so Charlene, when we hear the uh, minister of education say that he has asked his staff to review what happened 
and bring him options to reform professional training and strengthen accountability on school boards on this so that this never happens. This is a quote from him from his statement. Uh, How does that make you feel as someone who advocates uh, for more education when it comes to anti-black racism, when it, when you are advocating for this conversation to continue to make safer spaces for our children. When we, when I first heard about it, I said it was reckless. He put a target on our backs, um, on all, on all of us, on our children, because we know the retaliation and the reprisal that's going to come in September. We, we we see it for far less. I, I found his statement was incomplete because it wasn't clear. It, let, it, it left a lot of questions that we're asking, what's the scope of that investigation or that review and options? And there has been zero consultation with the Black community. We have called for a meeting with him. We're waiting to hear back because we are going to hold him to account because for us, you know, as I could speak as a black woman, <laughs> when we go to work every day, it is our pandemic. When we leave our house, the only time we're safe is in our house. We are the least protected. And when I think of Kika doing our job that day, that's an everyday thing. If you have ever facilitated training, we plan, we have strategy to respond to the agitators in the room and the resistors. It happens all the time. There's been no other person that would have been, if we had a medical professional who that was their life's work and that was their background, speaking about the things that they have experienced, the things that they have seen, no one would have tried to gaslight the situation or, or what was being said. And, and, let, and let's be straight, everything we do, we're policed by. Mm-hmm. Everything we do, we get policed by. We're we're supposed we're police of how we're going to respond to racism. So you are oppressing me, and you're going to want to police how I respond or I respond to that. It's wrong. And in and in a room where you're not asking question, question wasn't being asked. I read the article. I heard the story. You're denying as a black person, as a black woman, when we're telling you when we walk um, to outside. We experience life differently. We heard, we heard uh, the premier once said, "It's not as bad here as it is in the U.S." Mm. Based on what? You as a white man? No. We're telling you what happens to what happens to our children. You know, we have ex- we have we have stories. We have children. We can't release names unless the parents give us permission. We've taken their lives. Mm. We know how we have children who are at home now a fear of going to school because of the anti-Black racism that they're experiencing. We have children who their parents, big grown parents who cry every day. I get to see their agony. I get to feel their pain. And I get to live that vicariously on a daily basis of them seeing their children in mental institution, self-harming. Carrie spoke about just mention a mom lying on the floor because she thought her daughter was going to take her life mm-hmm. and have our alarm set to wake up every so often just to check to make sure she's still breathing or she's still on the bed. Who has to live like that? And when we call on the commission, the Human Rights Commission that was built on the backs of us, and we see a denial in the in the the review of the treatment of Black students. 
And we see that resistance, even there, it speaks to how we are treated on a daily basis. And we send our babies in these institutions to get brutalized and their souls get crushed. I can't even get into the stories. Their souls get crushed daily. And you look in their eyes and you see them changing right in front of you. And they're forced to grow up and they're expected to be resilient. Mm. But that's not the answer to anti-Black racism. And Kika, many who have their jobs right now got it because of the work that she has done. So when they target her, they target us and it's on purpose. They were looking for something. But I'll say this, as Charlene and as POBC, I stand with her mm. shoulder to shoulder. And when I need to, I will be in front of her. So when Leche speaks and come out recklessly with a statement, I say to the minister, tread lightly because you're setting a precedent and we will not sit down and allow it to happen. We're sick of it. We're going to take a quick break, but the emotion that you, the listener, is hearing is from people who have seen it firsthand. Charlene, Kiri, they have seen it firsthand. I, as a mother of Black young boys, we have seen the pain firsthand. Kerry, you had spoken about um, having a meeting uh, earlier this week with 300 uh Black leaders. Um, I was on that Zoom call as well. Thank you for organizing it. What was um, what has been the sentiment, the 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 feeling of the community as they have seen this story um, been taken by a certain group of people and really um, turned on its head and taken out of context, I will say. Uh, what has been the response of the community? You know, our, our Black communities, and on that call, it, it was Black communities, but it was also, you know, many people who were not Black um, and who, who are allies um, participating as well. But our Black communities are um, angry. Um, you know, there was uh, obviously a recognition for a life, a life loss, um, but the we are angry. Um, community members are consistently wanting to come together and ask what they can do. Um, and there is a, a recognition that, you know, this is, we've been here before and we will not allow it to happen. You know, we saw in 1995 when the Mike Harris government came to power with the Common Sense Revolution, um, we saw anti-racism work under attack. We saw racial justice policies set back decades, right? We, the, 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 the general consensus is we are not going to let that happen again as a community. Um, you know, we, what we're seeing here, what we're seeing here is anti-racism work under attack. The training that was conducted in 2021 at the TSB was, it was, it was equity training. It was equity, which is all encompassing. Right. But what we're seeing being talked about and what we're the pushback that we're seeing get is against anti-racism work and specifically anti-black racism training. Why is that? Why is the focus only on anti-racism work? You know, this is not just about the black community. And I think that's the thing that people need to recognize. If there is an attack 
on anti-racism work. It is not just about our communities. It is not just about our children. It means there's an attack on, on anti-Semitism education, anti-Asian hate awareness, uh, Islamophobia training. All of these things are under attack, right? Is the review going to cover all of those things? Because that encompasses anti-racism training. You also said, actually, both of you, Charlene and Carrie, have said that this is not about Kike Ojo Thompson, the uh, facilitator of of the said um, uh, workshop that happened at the TDSB. This is a greater conversation. And I'm sure you have also seen, you know, how organizations, companies who rallied around uh, equity work, DEI work have slowly been dropping their DEI people. Uh, they have been the first to be let go in uh, cutbacks in organizations. Charlene, talk to me about this climate of, you know, three years ago, everybody was kneeling and everybody was listening and learning. And now we're at this point where there is so much pushback that, again, you're right, this is not about one person. This is about. Uh, education and moving our country forward. And there is there is a resistance to that. It is it is dangerous. It it shows that, you know, it, like we, we've talked about things not being new. But, but even before, when you want to know where what a corporation believes in, look where they spend their money. Equity is not part of it. Time and time again, we go into different racist institutions and we like we ask the question, who is your equity person? Um, for example, we'll go to the police, different police division. We ask for their hate crime unit or um, hate motivated unit or someone that's in charge of that because we're here to report our hate crime or when our families go in to report a hate incident and there's no one. It's being investigated um, by an officer who has no clue what it means to be targeted because of hate, what it means to be targeted because you're black. And we see the pushback. We had a case where there was an investigation and we insisted on having it be led by the hate crime unit. And we were told, we consulted with the hate crime unit. And there was over 50, 50 incidents of anti-Black racism. And the one investigator came back and said, we didn't find anything of hate. Hmm. That has no knowledge, no lens, no understanding of what it means. And it, frankly, it was just another ins racist institution. And we see the pushback. We are always fighting. So when we see now that there is the there is this pushback, we knew it was going to come. We knew then it was going to come. Three years ago, we called it out. We said it. Don't let it just be for the time that we're here mourning George Floyd. This is bigger than that. And this is why we're here. We're speaking. POBC as a whole, I know we have... Um, um, strategy that we're going to be putting in place to push to make sure it doesn't happen in education. So when the minister, I will go back to the minister making his comment about this, this review, it should have been made clear that there will not be a stop and the anti-racism work in education because it will see it and our children will happen. And it's not just Black children who are going to suffer. Others will suffer too. But it's not new that we're seeing this. And this is why we are calling on everyone that you believe in this. We're looking for we're looking for allies who are not just going to run when it gets hot in the kitchen, mm -hmm. but are willing to stand up in the kitchen when because we knew the heat was going to come at some point. So what are the next steps? What are the next steps in this conversation, in moving this forward, in making sure that uh, 
equity training, DE&I training does not go away when it comes to the school boards. I know that there are many parents that will not tolerate that uh, for their children as well. What are the next steps? The next steps as as a community is, you know, we've called for a meeting with the minister. Um, we ex- we're, lo- we're expecting a response. We're still waiting for a response for that meeting. Um, you know, we are um, coming together as a collective um, to make our voices heard. Um, and yes, we will not. There is no school board in this province who should be canceling, halting, stopping any of their equity or anti-racism training work. No school board in this province should be doing that. We will not tolerate that as a community. And it's not just our community. There are other communities that are impacted by that and we will not stop. So all school board leaders, um, anyone who has a budget um, and who has um, the responsibility of conducting those trainings, those will move forward. They need to move forward. They cannot stop. Um, this is about the lives of our children. This is about the staff, the, the, the racialized of Black staff that work within those structures, right? Um, we can't allow ourselves, we can't allow the clock to be turned back. And we don't want systems, we don't want organizations to just be performative in their um, in their work. This has to be real. There are real people here on the other end. And so performative action is not going to be tolerated. Carrie and Charlene, thank you. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for being leaders. I'm not just going to say in the Black community, in our community at large in Toronto, in the GTA, in this region, and not giving up, making sure that voices are heard and that equity is the goal that we we achieve and that we aim for. Thank you for the work of parents of Black children. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And thank you for facilitating this conversation. It's important. And um, thank you.